0: Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. We are your hosts of the show, Karen and Kelly Sarlow. Whether you're struggling with grief or you just need answers, we connect you with spirit to find relief, clarity, and direction in life. We can help you move forward.
1: Good morning, Kelly. Hello, hello. I need the name of a man for today. Okay, I'm going to choose Aziz. Okay, thank you. Um, Aziz and I are going to have a session together for half an hour over Zoom, and at the very beginning of the session, um, you ca- I can see that he looks quite upset. I don't mean that he's crying, I just mean that he looks distressed. And he begins the session by saying, um, I w- I'd like to know about your gifts. And that didn't jive with how he looked. Yeah, because there's like an urgency when
0: people are... <laughs> not okay yeah but I do understand that you need a level of comfort before you can feel safe to alleviate your distress or trust that this person in front of you Karen can alleviate it
1: thank you and he says to me I I, want to know I want I'm here because I want to ask some questions about your gifts he says um can we talk about that and I said to him at the very beginning well We did a podcast show on that. I said, it's the first show in a series of, you know, about 380 shows. And I started to give him like this little explanation. And I wanted to make it really short and brief so that he would have his whole half hour to actually ask for channeling. And he was not going to have that. Hmm. And he told me that at the very beginning. And he said, "Um, I'm still looking for channeling. He says, but I'm... I think I'm looking more for your experience, and I'm looking, I don't, I'm going to say to some degree opinion, but it's experience. And they're going to go, they have to go together. So he says, um, Karen, he says, uh, I have a month to live. Oh, wow. And he says, um, and I am in a ton of distress over what I'm referring to as other people's BS. Hmm. And he says, so I am here to filter out what happens when you die. And he says, and I could think of nothing better than to talk to somebody who's been talking to dead people for six decades. Okay, this is a different show. Yeah, and he said, so I heard about you. He says, I haven't seen the podcast shows, clearly. And he says, "Um, I just heard about you from a friend when I was saying how anxious I am about the actual dying the actual when i get to lay down and the doctor gets to help me cross over he says i've got questions about that whole process and he says and i don't mean the one about the doctor i don't mean the one about the drugs i don't mean the one about the palliative care nurse i've got that i've got like i've got everything set up he says i think i what i need is you i need somebody who's been talking to dead people who's been listening to their stories for decades about what they actually went through, and the fact that you're, you've are you been talking to dead people for so long about what it's actually like on the other side. And he says, when I think about the way that I've been raised, what I've watched on TV, what I've seen in movies, it scares me. Mm-hmm. He says, and I was raised in religion. He says, and I... He said, I'm just not going to go into what religion. He says, I'm not here to bash any particular one. Well, he did say at the beginning that he's here to deal with or sift through other people's BS. Yeah. And and he's literally saying who all these people are, including um, the medical people who are giving him their opinion, including family members who have their own. Based on, and he says, you know, just based on God knows what, because they've got TV and they've got the same movies and they've probably, you know, some of them have been playing video games and they've got their own idea of zombies and what it's like on the other side. And he says, it all scares the shit out of me.
0: I have never had a conversation where the other side and zombies were used in the same
1: sentence. (laughs) This is a first. Yeah, but literally when you think about it, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't dawn on me for like to think of dead people as zombies, but when I think about what he says about video games and perhaps if he's just listening to, and I won't even put an age to a person, just anybody that's totally into something like that, I think sometimes we want to make fun and go, oh, for God's sakes, it's just a game. And, And we think that we have it. We think we have compartmentalized that when we're playing a game that we really just believe it's a game. And then... We don't, we don't really realize that all of a sudden we might be in a conversation with this person who's dying and all of a sudden our little beliefs about what does actually happen in those games or what we think zombies are or the afterlife actually starts to come through in our conversations. So he says, I'm freaking out. He says, I'm here because he says my stress levels are through the roof. And he says, when I talk to my doctor about my stress levels, they tell me that it's normal to have stress when you're dying. And that they're going to give me some good medication for that. But he said, I don't know that I want medication to deal with this and to numb me out. I want to deal with what I believe. Cool. and I love it, because our our website says, when you just need answers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's what he's talking about. Yes. He's literally just saying, you know, I I just really want to talk to somebody who's been talking to people on the other side. And he said... I looked. I just. I did look at the website. He says, but I haven't listened to the podcast. He said, but I looked at that and I thought, okay, she looks old. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be me. Therefore, what? Not you. <laughs> he said, yeah, I. I thought that was. We both had a good laugh. He said, you know. He says, I took one look at you and I went, she's old. That's good. He said, I just kind of looked at that and thought, well, okay. Maybe she will have some years of experience, and I'm just going to tap into that. He says, so I'm here to ask you questions, and it might not be your typical session. I really don't know. Well, and he doesn't seem too bothered by that anyway. Yeah.
0: It's not like he's got an urgency the way some people do with, I'm spending money, therefore I need X number of
1: answers before X number of minutes. So my first question is, how did you know you could talk to dead people? And I said, okay, I said, that goes back to my childhood. Speaking of anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) I said, that goes back to my childhood. And I said, um, uh, my parents, my grandparents, and eventually two of my brothers um, owned a funeral home. And I said, I grew up in an environment where we lived a couple of doors down. And we spent a lot of nights there, sleeping there on the couches. And he went, what? What? And so he wanted to know about that story. And he said, you were a kid sleeping on couches in a funeral home. You don't mean when there's any dead bodies in the funeral home, right? Yes, I do, sir. You want to talk about capital T trauma. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. And I'm sure there's this psychologist or psychiatrist listening to this being like, no, no not quite. But I mean, there's some <laughs> trauma in there. Let's be, <laughs> right. let's be honest.
1: Yeah. And I said, yes. I said, we, we did sleep in the funeral home when there were um, people who had died there. And he said, well, I don't even understand where you could sleep. There's no beds. And I said, well, we slept on the couches in the visitation rooms. And he goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He says, I'm beginning to feel like you were the right person to call and to ask about this. And that I might be right about the fact that because of your age you kind of do have maybe a little bit of a different perspective than some other people on this that are also mediums. He says, so continue. He says, so what happened? And I said, well, I said, when I was little, I said, I used to um, stand on the kneeler because I was small enough to stand on a kneeler, and the kneeler was right in front of the casket, and I would watch my dad and the other funeral directors and... Um, put makeup on and the rosary and um, set the person up in the casket for display or close the casket or whatever. And Prepare. Yeah, just prepare them for service for the family and for visitors to come to see them. And he said, okay. He says, um, so what happened when you were doing that? And I said, well, I often saw them breathing. It looked like they were breathing and they would talk. And he went, what? And I said, well, they would talk. And, and I, would, I would look at them like I would literally stare at their chest or so remember this. And I said so much so that I ended up having nightmares um, about the very same situation. But in my dreams, it went further. The, the person in the casket would always sit up and talk to me. And they would just carry on like a regular conversation, just like you and I are sitting right now talking. And I said, but that didn't happen in real life in the funeral home. It's like it only took me to a certain level, and then my dreams took me to the next level. And I said, sometimes I remember going back to the funeral home, um, because we were there every day. We had lunch there every day, five days a week. Which is another thing we can unpack on a different day. <laughs> in the lunchroom, in the basement, right across from the embalming room, while my dad was working. The a loaded sentence. <laughs> It's kind of loaded. We would sit in the lunchroom, my brothers and sisters and I, and we would have lunch, and then we would go back to school. And I said, so sometimes, you know, you would see the same dead person in the casket for, you know, two to three days that they were at the funeral home. And I said I would go back sometimes, and I would say to my dad something about a message or something that this person was trying to say to their mom or was trying to say to a certain person, and he said, so you were trying back then? And I said, well... To speak on, on their behalf. Yeah, to speak on their behalf. And I thanks, Kelly. That's a good way to word that. And I said, but I really didn't understand that. And I wouldn't have called myself a medium. I, I just really thought I was supposed to give a message. I was supposed to say something. And my dad told me that dead people couldn't talk. Can I can I pause for a second here because yeah. you can correct me if I'm wrong.
0: I also want to say just to explain it in a different way. It's like any kid overhearing a conversation yeah. or, or just being a part of a conversation where yeah. if that third party, meaning the dead person is talking to you and it's very real for you, right? Yeah. In, in the in the sensory experience, you're turning to the the other third person in the room, which is your father at that point and mm-hmm. saying you know, I need. I want to verify. This person just said this. Is that true, Dad? Or yeah. you know, this person just said that. Did you know that, Dad? So there's you're you're turning to the other person, the human, the alive individual for affirmations of the just simple information you're getting from a conversation. You don't mm-hmm. know their messages or channeling.
1: Mm-hmm. It feels like a conversation. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, my dad would just say that you can't do that, and so he asked me. Um, Aziz said to me, did you feel like you were crazy? And I said, no. I don't remember the feeling being crazy. I remember thinking, or, fe- or if you want to call it, feeling it as well. I thought I was bad. I thought it was something that if I wasn't pleasing my dad, that, that I was actually just being bad. And, you know, maybe that speaks to the way I was being raised, or brought up, like, and I don't just mean with parents. When I say raised, I mean in society, in schools. I don't mean just, oh my goodness, that it was just two parents that were raising me to be a good or a bad girl. It's far bigger than that. But I do remember just thinking that I was bad. So, you know, I tried it with other people. (laughs) I remember trying it with the other funeral directors. Um, And one in particular who felt like my second dad because we saw him five days a week. And then for me, when I turned around grade seven or eight, when I started working at the funeral home for my parents uh, on um, evenings or, pardon me, weekends, and then in grade nine on the evenings and weekends, um, you just had such a rapport with all of the staff. So I just remembered trying to reach out and ask different questions, but always being told the very same thing that my dad was telling me that you can't do that. So he just said, oh, so what happened? And I said, well, I do remember trying to stop doing it in high school, but it was really hard because I was there pretty much seven days a week. So you don't share the experiences. You don't talk about them. So people probably think that it just stopped and that it just went away. But you just don't share it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so the dreams about being able to speak to dead people went on all through high school, but they presented as nightmares. Uh, Because, again, you're not getting any answers or a resolution or a process or a calmness to it. Yeah, you're just getting flooded with information. Yes, and it's overwhelming. And, And then he said, okay, he says, so then what happened later in life that all of a sudden you were aware that you could talk to dead people again? Like, what happened? And I said, well, I said, I do remember having a shift in my beliefs because I saw John Edward on TV. And um, he was the first person that was like, oh, this is normal. And he talked about how he grew up in a family where his grandmother did it too and taught him how. And I remembered being really angry that he had um, a family system and people around him that didn't shame him or make him feel like he was a bad person. And I thought for the very first time, and I remember that at that point, I was in my 30s, I remembered thinking for the first time, Maybe I'm not a bad person. And that there are other people that do this, and this guy's on TV, and they're actually making it look like it's really fun and it's really interesting, and people believe him. They don't think he's a liar. And then I had friends that were doing the same thing, and then you came along and opened your gifts and were doing the same thing. But he asked the question, well... um, how did you feel? Like, like, what other things happened then? And, and was it the same as when you were a child? And I said, I don't, I don't know enough about what it was like as a child. I know now that I work consciously and very hard for validations, for affirmations, to build processes for accuracy. I, d- I, don't, I didn't do anything like that when I was a child. You were just so open as a child that it was just flooding in. And I said, but now as an adult and doing it for other people, there's a responsibility for accuracy. There's a responsibility that you don't give misinformation to the best of your ability. I said, my daughter and I have done our best to create processes so that there is accuracy, so that there is a way of being able to verify information. And when you can't verify some, you verify something else that might be linked to it so that you feel confident um, that you're doing the best you possibly can. So how so far? How is this helping him with his feelings? Well, I, I can say from looking at him and from his tone of voice that he seems to get be getting calmer and calmer. But he also just seems to be really interested. So I don't know if really interested means um, that my mind is preoccupied and I'm not as scared right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But then he started asking questions about, okay, so now I want to change it a bit. He says, so do dead people tell you what it's like when they actually were dying? And I said, yes. And he said, what have you learned about that? And I told him, I said, I've learned that not everybody sees a white light. And I said, as much as it's on TV as a standard procedure for death, (laughs) or so it seems according to movies, um, I said, or books that I've read, everything talks about seeing this white light. I said, I have not heard the thousands of souls that I've talked to in these many years. Um, I haven't heard them all say that there was this big white light. I said, some of them have said that they have met pets, that they have felt that they walked from their living room into their dining room, but that it was just clear, clear. I have heard them say things like it's a remembering as opposed to it's a great big black galaxy of stars. Good luck.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> or that it is and this is one of my analogies that I that I don't know it's just something in my mind made up one day I suppose. But you don't leave earth and go way out past Pluto and turn right and there's heaven.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's a gate and there's a man, and you have to stand at the gate in line, or maybe nobody else is in line, or maybe there are different lines, and that that there are these lines going into different places, and that this man tells you, oh, by, oh, your name, Karen Sarlo. Oh, yes, we have a reservation for you over behind door A. You know, like um, a game show, like you're going behind one door, depending on how you lived your life. I said... I haven't seen anything like that. And I said, I haven't heard anybody talk about that. I said, what I've seen, no matter who has died, no matter what they have done on earth, I said, I have seen all souls go to a place where they heal first.
0: Yeah. And I think when we're talking about this dying process, there isn't this great travel There isn't this great distance that a lot of people have in their mind from Earth to somewhere else. Um, Like you said, it can be just a feeling of being here and then there. Mm -hmm. And and that might be the difference of an inch or Mm -hmm. a quarter inch, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So I think with that idea of travel or that misinformation of the idea of travel... Mm -hmm also is accompanied by this assumption of isolation because it's Mm -hmm. a journey you're taking that Mm -hmm. no one else is taking. And so, really, there's no distance or
1: isolation occurring. Mm -hmm. And I've also heard um, people who've crossed over say that uh, while they were still in their body, they could see people in the room. They could see their family and friends. That's one of the things you and I do very regularly is confirm who's present in the room, sometimes things that are being said, and that while they're doing their transition in consciousness, they have the ability to be in multiple places of consciousness, mm-hmm. and that consciousness is no longer just in, in one location. And again, fostering or, or um, I'll say colluding
0: in a good way, the idea that there's no separateness. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I said to him too, it's, it's, um, such, like it's on such a deep cellular level that your cells just change vibration. And I said, but I happen to love quantum physics. And I have, happen to love studying what the Plancks do and what cells do and how consciousness is in the cells and the vibration and the energy healing. And I said, like, I could talk to you about that disease for days. Because of my background in different energy healing modalities that blend in with all of these gifts of medium and intuitive and psychic and all of this kind of stuff, and I said, um, uh, like to me that's fascinating because your your energy then can be in multiple places. And I said, but one of the things that I've discovered and the beauty of that is that there is a remembering it isn't a brand new place you're going to that you've never been before where you're lost or where you don't know where to go or where to sit. I said like getting into a new city and you're trying to drive around and you have no map. That would be anxiety for anybody if that's what we believe the other side is. A new place we've never been before and we're not certain if there's going to be anybody there to help us or show us where do we go to the washroom because we're still human, we're still trying to figure out, okay, yeah, I won't have a body, but what will I have? And I said, I've heard some people who've crossed over who've said that they felt that they went from one body into another form, into another body form. And I've heard others just say that that it was just a state of thought and a state of just of feeling, uh, of feeling peace or feeling safety or security. But... One of the most beautiful things that I've heard from souls is that it's more of a remembering than it is of something brand new,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where where there's just a ton of fear around brand new. But when there's a remembering of some place that you have loved so deeply, and that you've come from in in love, that it's the most beautiful place to go back to. Yeah, and sink in yes as opposed to i have to try and navigate it and figure it out before i can sink in mm-hmm. and kelly that that um that conversation was really a game changer mm-hmm. because he just looked at me and went wait a minute he said you're telling me it's a remembering he went mm-hmm. like this and he went that just blew My fears, my perceptions, he says, that has really done something for me. He said, I don't even know how to describe it. And I said, well, I do. I said, because in terms of the energy healing and the quantum physics, you've taken an untruth and you've demolished it. And I said, so if you had been listening to or watching anything before and didn't realize that you really had taken it in on a subconscious level... Now you know you did because you have the release from its prison, from its suffering. And I said, so you have released those molecules, you have released the energy. He goes, I think I know what you're doing. He says, I feel really incredible in my mind. He says, I feel incredible in my body right now. And he says, Is it would it be accurate to say that I feel like I'm spinning, but I'm spinning freely? And I said, I do believe some quantum physicists would really like this. and and could go, I know what that is. Yeah, he's explaining the shift in energy and the energy healing that's occurring within his body. Yeah, which is what we are trying to do in every single session with every single client, whether we're doing a medical intuitive reading on your horse or your dog, or or your own body, whether we are doing psychic, which means for some people means future-based, or a post mortem medical
0: intuitive on a loved one that you've lost, yes. where we're channeling medium. Yes,
1: exactly. It 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 doesn't matter as long as you, it doesn't matter which service we're doing, as long as you gave consent at the beginning of the session for all of the modalities. Then energy healing is underlying all of them. Is is the gist of what we're saying? Exactly. It,
0: and I I heard it um, explained this way, and I've used this in my consent process ever since. It's like the iOS, the operating system running in the background. Oh, When you turn your iPhone on or you're using your iPhone, you're not thinking about the operating system. Mm -hmm. You're just thinking about the app that you're in. But the energy healing is like the operating system
1: that's allowing all the apps to run. Oh, I like that. That is energy healing. Yes. Something that gets started before their sessions even begin. Um, Some people think that if they have a two o'clock booking that you and I only begin energy healing once we are done consent. And um, some of them think that we don't even do it while we're talking. They don't think that we can manage to do two things at the same time. <laughs> it's a fun underestimated
0: situation. Eh?
1: I think it is. Challenge accepted. Um, and then, um, so we had, I'll say a brief conversation around that, because he is not, he's not into the quantum physics and He makes that known, so I just tried to briefly explain that without going into anything in a deep way. And then he asked me a really cool question. He said, "Um, will I be loved on the other side if I don't feel that I was ever loved by a human being on Earth? Okay. Okay. You know, he says, because I've heard lots of people say, you know, when I die, I really want my grandma to meet me. I really want my dog to be there. I really want, you know, and some people don't believe animals would be there anyway. Or that there might be a different place that animals go or that animals just don't even have souls. They don't go anywhere. And I said, well, I said, to my knowledge, every animal has a soul and every soul is on the other side. So animals are there, in fact. And I said, but like us, they can take different forms, and that they don't have to take an animal form again, just like we don't take another human form. We don't have to. But the bigger question being, if I've never felt loved
0: by anyone or anything in my life, will I feel loved on the other side? Yes. That's a great question.
1: Yeah. And I, Kelly, like in all honesty, I wanted to just jump in as Karen Sarlo and go, of course, because that's just me. But I sat there and I went, well, let me ask them. And he went, oh, I like that. Thank you. And I paused and he goes, and I'm curious, who are you asking? And he goes, but first of all, I'd like my answer. And then could you tell me who you are asking? And I said, for sure. So I, I asked the spirit guides and I said, um, so I said, what's the answer to the question? And they said, absolutely. He will have all of his spirit guides that love him. And actually, he'll be more excited to see us than he will all of his human beings. Naturally. (laughs) Like this. And I said, okay, that's a beautiful answer. I love that. And they said, and he will have his own soul to love him, which will be the most exquisite experience of all. Yeah, especially
0: like if we're getting into bigger quantum physics conversations, the parallel lives. So if your soul That's is next. existing in so many different forms and other other dimensions that we're living in at the same time, do have a consciousness that we've got this human life we're living. Yeah, but this this human life is un unaware of the other ones we're living, then that rejoining of all those different
1: aspects of yourself is a union or a reunion of love. Yeah. And that was his next answer, was that he will be able to be reunited with all of the people um, from his different lifetimes, and that he will also be able to see where he is existing in those other lifetimes that allow more states of consciousness to exist than the current one that most people are experiencing in this lifetime. But that he will even get to see that there are humans on this planet that aren't that limited. So he was like, what? Mm -hmm. And he goes, okay. He says, so when I cross over... I'm going to meet other aspects of myself in other dimensions. And I went, yes.
0: I love and he ti- went, I love the timing of this conversation because just last night I went to bed totally burnt out. And I was laying down wide awake because of the burnout. Mm-hmm. And I literally said to myself uh, out loud in my head, okay, girl, meaning me in another mm-hmm. realm, I need a power boost. <laughs> I need some version of me in another realm to give this version of me a power
1: boost oh, I because I got it.
0: nothing left.
1: <laughs> I love it. So we had um a short little conversation around the fact that there are all these different experiences that our soul is participating in and that this experience on earth is one of those. But that when you cross over there is the beauty of, of being, re- as you said, Kelly, of being reunited. And that's why you're not lost. Mm-hmm. That is why there's no reason for anybody to fear what you're going to when you cross over, no matter what you've done on earth. And I know that there, w- there will always be people that will be super angry when they hear something like that and say, but what about the murderers? What about the people that are terrible human beings? To my understanding, when we all cross over, we all go through healing. And and personally, I'm happy to hear that. Mm -hmm.
0: I don't want to ever think that even myself or someone that I love in any of their lifetimes could possibly be so stuck. There's no coming back from it.
1: Yeah, I
0: think that's one of the greatest sufferings we experience as humans, period. Why would we want to perpetuate that experience
1: after death? Yeah. And and I I think, too, um, that... I want to believe that when we cross over, I don't want there to be another experience after that where the bad the people who behave poorly here continue to behave poorly and never learn, never grow, never change. I, I don't want to believe that that's an impossibility to, to finally know better than, than what we've done. So anyway, we had a converse, a little conversation around that and he said, um, how relieved he felt. And he said, you know, not that I'm trying to say that I'm a really bad person. He says, but I've done things that, you know, that I feel shame over. Who hasn't? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't like the person I was 10 years ago. Yeah. I don't like the person I was in pieces of my childhood.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And
0: I don't mean every single day, mm-hmm. but certainly in, I. my God, these relationships haunt you. The mm-hmm. way I ended friendships haunt me. Mm-hmm. Right. Like even when I think I was doing the right thing in the moment, you look back with more knowledge and you're like, I hope that doesn't follow me because I'm not the same person anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'd like to think too that people who struggle and that are maybe what we call really difficult or infuriating or mean critical people um, grow up mm-hmm. and, and, and do want to be very different because then you could be happy going to a new place where you know that people move out of all of those thoughts and limitations and beliefs and um, structures that hold us in pain and suffering. So anyway... Um, he really liked that answer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it was really enjoyable to see his transition, um, to see the way that he asked different types of questions, um, and also to see um, and hear in him his willingness just to listen, his willingness to say, I don't know, and I've called to find out what somebody else might be able to add to this, that I might not have thought of. And I will decide what I'm going to believe about it. We have a puppy on the floor
0: who's experiencing another realm of consciousness <laughs> that is vibrating my microphone.
1: <laughs> and I can see in Aziz Kelly, that he's, um, he's got a little bit of anger. <laughs> and I, I said to him, hey, just gonna check in with you, if I crossed any boundaries. And he goes, no. I said, is this meeting your needs? it is. Am I answering your questions? It is. And I said, how do you wish to continue? He goes, I, I want to say that I feel really angry. And I said, okay, that's totally fine. I said, Who, whom are you angry with? Um, spirit guides, uh, myself, like or others, where's the anger? Or do, do you wish to share it or not? And he said, I'm angry with humans. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm really angry thinking like a lot about the different things and the different places that I've been, the responsibility that people had to, um, including um, TV or movie producers, that they have a bigger responsibility, and they're not taking it seriously. He said, so they, they put out a movie or they put something out there, calling it entertainment, but knowing full well that human beings are going to believe this stuff. And not caring how much fear it's creating. And here I am now, looking at the end of my life within a month, and I feel really angry. What am I going to do with all this anger towards them and try and move through this and also get ready to die? Yeah, it's a lot. So I told him I didn't know. I told him that I was really sorry. And that, that I can understand that, just being another human that's watched TV and... Seen movies and been through some of the same things as him, perhaps, and been through some different things. But that I that I really understood that. And he says to me, "Boy, you ever lucky you grew up there, eh?" And I said, "Grew up where?" And he said, "In a funeral home, to be able to know right from the time you were a child that they were all lying." Hmm. And then, and he goes, "So deep down, somewhere inside of you, you've known your whole life about all the lies." He goes, that must be a really good feeling. Some days. <laughs> you know, I was baffled when he said
0: that. He's not wrong. And at the same time, some days it's just so hard to know that the truth is so, there are so many lies. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's
1: not a fun way to live and something to know your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I said to him, well, I said, I certainly can tell you I can count on more than one hand. Those are the days that were frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. And we just had, we had a good laugh. And then I said, to, I asked him, I said, was this helpful to you? You are at a particular stage of life. And I said, you are a very unique client for me that you've chosen to call me with knowing that you have less than a month to live and that you know this is going to change really quickly now for you within, like every day is going to be tremendous change and I said how do you feel and he said I feel so much relief Karen and he says I really don't understand he says I think part of it is the conversation it's the words it's the sharing of the experience of just listening to what you have to offer he says now I want to make my own decisions what I believe I want to know that you've told me these things and but I'm going to listen to it and go do I accept it or not nice good process And he goes, and then when I think about some of the things that you've said about being loved on the other side, no matter what, he goes, accepted. Mm -hmm. He goes, when you say it's a remembering, instead of this feeling of being lost, accepted. He goes, if I don't see a white light, not going to panic. And he says, so I feel like I'm letting go of some of my fears. I feel like I can say to you that my mind feels differently. And he says, but you know, when you were talking about that quantum physics... He says, I feel like I'm a little different. He goes, so maybe my cells changed a little today. Cool. So he wasn't too close to the cellular <laughs> conversations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he was more, more open. And I wanted to, to, to say this and to share this podcast because so many of us don't have a month. We, or maybe we do, but we don't know it. But so many of us, I think the average human doesn't live that way knowing that you have a month. Mm-hmm. So you think you have plenty of time to think about that later. Well, there's actually um,
0: a saying that we take as long as we're given, right? right? And, and we, this is a huge conversation in the productivity world specifically. And, and we know this in terms of you know how we're teaching leaders and, and leadership courses that humans will take as long as they're given. So if you say you have a lifetime to get your lessons, guess what? <laughs> You're gonna take it, right? Yeah. If you're saying, "Hey, you've got a month to live," it's like, okay, I'm I'm gonna fit everything I can in this month, then, right? Yeah. Like, so with mm. though, I'm not a big proponent of creating sense of urgency for people if it's going to cause anxiety. We still want to kind of keep this idea in mind that we take as long as we're given because if we think, "Oh, I've got a lifetime; I don't have to worry about that today,"
1: mm-hmm. then we
0: put off the work that needs to get done because mm-hmm. we we do
1: think we have time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. He's absolutely one of my favorite clients, um, and I, I'm. We we are done the session, but I just wanted to share this story with everybody. This session because of his attitude, of his openness, of his quest just to say, hey, instead of believing anything and everybody else. Um, What am I going to choose to do with this? Yeah, that's very
0: different too. I I like to kind of position him against uh, the average person who comes in and says they're a skeptic and is really Mm. just obstinate, Mm -hmm. right? Where they're like, I don't know if I believe what you do, but try it anyway, right? Right. Like He actually came in with some very intellectual questions Mm -hmm. and an openness to hear the answer and then a willingness to put himself in the answers through a process of critical thinking. That is such a beautiful, healthy thing to do as opposed to just saying, well, I don't know if I'm really into it, but here's my money and let's try it yeah. anyway, right? Like everything that he's done with you so
1: far has been a really great step in the right direction. Yeah, I think so. And I'm hoping that as he goes through the month each day, um, he will he will be able to sit in each day and really be present without fear. Mm-hmm. Cool.
0: I, I want to just position him uh, as the client here, just for listeners, to hear how he's the hero of his own story, Okay, Mm -hmm. I really want people to understand this, because I think what he did was phenomenal. And this is hopefully what you guys are doing, too, as past clients and and future clients as well, is that he came in and wanted his clarity, wanted his direction, and his relief. All those three things that we keep saying that we're going to offer you when we get to channel for you. That's our privilege, Mm -hmm. right? He took what was offered for clarity, relief, and direction and decided what was right for him. So it's not putting all the power in the channeled message. It's Mm -hmm. not putting all the power in Karen and Kelly Sarlo's hands either. Mm -hmm. It's saying, I'm going to go collect information and still empower myself to make sure that I'm choosing what's right for me. And just the simple fact of being here to collect the information with that attitude is just what I would consider perfection. Because that's the process we all need to go through in everything that we're learning in life. Whether it's your existential questions like he's talking about or figuring out which program you're going to go into for university. Mm. Right? Like it's, it's everything in between. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just, though it's not my session, he's one of my favorite clients as well now. So thank you, Aziz. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlos. If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode.